At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts. From KUNC and the NPR Network, this is In the NoCo, a daily slice of Northern Colorado news and happenings. It's Friday, November 17th. I'm Erin O'Toole. Colorado has made a lot of strides toward representation and equality for queer residents. The Movement Advancement Project, an independent think tank, gives our state high ratings for a range of policies that protect sexual orientation and gender identity. Still, being queer in Colorado doesn't come without anxiety or very real fears for your physical safety. Nearly one year ago, the mass shooting at Club Q, an LGBTQ nightclub in Colorado Springs, revived and deepened some of those worries. You know, it's also really critically important that we don't forget what happened and that we continue to show up and partner uh, with folks in Colorado Springs to support the community and to support the reopening of Club Q uh, and individuals who were impacted by the shooting. That's Susie Bates, the campaign director at One Colorado, an LGBTQ advocacy group. They just wrapped up a month-long statewide listening tour that stopped in more than a dozen communities across the state. We sat down with her to learn more about what she heard at those meetings and why she remains hopeful through it all. You know, we've heard a number of things. Folks, first and foremost, were incredibly grateful to have space to convene these conversations in their cities and to partner with One Colorado to learn, uh, to get involved, and to share their stories. So we had folks show up, and a number of folks show up at every one of these stops. Um, A lot of what they're learning in engaging in conversation around is the increase of attacks on the LGBTQ plus community nationally and how that's impacting folks here locally. So Erin, I'm sure you know that there's been over 500 bills that have been introduced throughout legislatures um, throughout the country that have specifically targeted the trans community. And while because we have pro-equality majorities in the House and Senate, those bills have not made progress, but they've certainly made an impact on people. The other thing I will mention is that a lot of our attendees are incredibly surprised to know that we have a constitutional ban on same-sex marriage here in Colorado. So that was passed in 2006. And while it's not enforceable because of a burger file that was passed in 2015 that made marriage the marriage equality, the law of the land, if that gets overturned, uh, there are no state protections here in Colorado for marriage in the future. So there's a lot of things that we talked about. And um, the thing that I really appreciated about the folks who attended is how much they were sharing their stories. So we had one um, young person show up in Montrose who came on her own. Uh, she's 18 years old. And she shared her story of experiencing bullying. Um, She had to stop attending in-person classes because of those experiences and wanted to come to this event um, in Montrose to have a conversation about you know, what's happening, but also to share her story so that she can create more space uh, for people to be seen, um, to get involved, and to know that not only does she have their back, but organizations like One Colorado do as well. Right. Well, so when we think about life for LGBTQ people in Colorado, it really varies quite a bit depending on where exactly you live in the state. Could you talk about the unique challenges 
queer people in more rural parts of our state continue to face? Absolutely. You know, I will say the um, the event stops, I love all of them. They have been fantastic. I love the entire state uh, and community here in Colorado. But I will say that, so we did, um, in Northern Colorado, we did stops in Longmont, Greeley, uh, Fort Collins, Boulder. And then we did a whole Western Colorado swing uh, where we were stopping in, in communities throughout the state. And what I will say is that while in some areas the communities are a little bit smaller, they are organized, they are ready, they're hopeful, um, and they are just so excited to continue to engage. So I do think that you know some of the unique challenges that folks face is that it can be isolating. Organizing can be isolating. And to be able to find your people and to organize together in order to advance issues and causes and community is a little bit different depending on where you are. But the threads of community, the threads of joy, um, and the threads of you know allies even showing up um, in support of the queer community um, because they want to make sure that they're standing beside, in front, or behind the leaders in order to support them and to grow. The folks who are actively organizing in Northern Colorado, I just hope they're incredibly proud of the work that they're doing. I'm curious to know how you see the progress that's been made here over the years. It really wasn't that long ago that Colorado was known as the hate state back in the 1990s with Amendment 2, which would have essentially enshrined discrimination against LGBTQ folks in the state constitution. Now, things have changed quite a bit since then, and we have a reputation now as one of the safest places for queer people. But are we getting too comfortable? Yeah, that is a great question, Erin. And you sort of hit the nail on the head as it relates to the transitions that Colorado has made from, you know, where we were to where we are. And that didn't happen by accident. The work of organizations like One Colorado and leaders and communities throughout the state have been consistently advocating and pushing for pro-equality legislation, candidates, et cetera, to make sure that we have the support that we need. Um, I always think that organizing is incredibly important to protect the gains we've made and to continue to expand um, and educate on the gains that we need to make still. So as you mentioned, we do have some of the strongest protections in the country as it relates to issues that impact the LGBTQ plus community. And we have visible leaders who are members of the community, but we still have a constitutional ban on same-sex marriage, right? So there's work that's left to be done. And we know that um, it's not enough to just have good policy. We have to make sure that we're going out to have conversations with folks to make sure that they're seen and they don't feel like they have to you know, fight alone to protect gender affirming care or fight alone to have access to mental health care services or fight alone, you know, to protect their marriages and their families. Um, so that's something that, you know, one Colorado um, will not stop organizing and will not stop partnering uh, with folks throughout the state to have these really important conversations and, and to move forward and to let folks know that, um, there is not, we're not willing to stand aside and let harmful policy uh, or harmful rhetoric continue um, without playing a role um, in making sure that we are advocating for and, and protecting the LGBTQ plus community. Well, given what you heard on this statewide tour and what we've talked about today, what is giving you hope right now? I am an organizer at heart. Uh, I've done this work for a number of years and it continues to be the thing that gets me up in the morning. What's bringing me hope is that we 
put a tour out there. You know, it's post pandemic, things have changed a little bit in the political and organizing world and just sort of how we connect with one another. And we weren't entirely sure what to expect, but people showed up and there was never a question about why we're doing this tour. It was a question about how can we continue to engage with one another to build each other up um, and the amount of joy and happiness um, that I felt in those rooms and a willingness for folks to be there to not only be themselves, but to provide space for others to be themselves brings me a tremendous amount of joy. The other thing that I want to mention, because um, it makes me smile every time I think about it, is the number of parents and grandparents who are showing up to these events saying, I'm here because of my kid or I'm here because of my grandchild and I want to make sure they feel safe and seen as and protected. That heartened me. And it was the, we have these buttons that we travel around with and we ran out of the proud parent and proud grandparent buttons very quickly, um, which was something that was just really, really wonderful to see. Susie Bates is the campaign director at One Colorado. It was great to talk to you. Thank you so much for joining me today. Yes, Erin, thank you so much for the opportunity. And that's it for us today here on In the NoCo. We'll be back with you on Tuesday with more of what's happening in Northern Colorado. Robin Vincent is our executive producer. I'm Erin O'Toole. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great weekend.